Amen. All right. You can go ahead and open up your Bibles there, and um, you can just have your copy of the Scriptures ready. We'll be turning to them momentarily. But uh, here we are um, in our, uh, our time right before school starting. And uh, I'm talking to a number of you this morning. I don't have to talk to all of you to know this, but the summer went fast, didn't it? Um, who, who felt it, went, it moved like a glacier, right? Like, well, this will never get over. Uh, nobody. It's just like, oh, life appears, right? For a little while, this mist, and it's gone. And it just seemed like we were celebrating the end of the year, and everyone had the burden of finals off your back, and it's like, whoa, we're ready to dive back in the fire again, and here we go. Uh, buckle up and get, uh, get ready, because uh, the school year is starting. And boy, as Jake mentioned, and just reminding us, well, we got friends and brothers and sisters in Christ that are coming back. Wonderful to see a number of you here today, and looking forward to many others uh, following, and before we knew it, know it, this sleepy little town uh, will be transformed from a short line at Chipotle to a very long one that goes out the door, right? Uh, it's just the way it works around here. Uh, now, when you left here, I don't think our Chick-fil-A down the street was open, was it? Yeah. Now, that's one line that moves quick. I was in it yesterday. I've been batching it this week, and Chick-fil-A was my choice last night. It'll be great to have Christy back uh, when she comes, right? Uh, but they, uh, they served me with great pleasure last night uh, at Chick-fil-A. And, uh, but yeah, we got it right down uh, the street here now. So wonderful thing. Don't go after church. You won't find anybody there. But you can go back again tomorrow, and they'll be glad to serve you. Um, and wow, you guys got a new dining hall. Who's been in there so far? You know, they had a big grand opening. And... Uh, has there been any taste testing yet in the grand new hall? There, Luke, what is it? I'd say it's a small upgrade. Small upgrade. You said the pizza was better. The pizza's better. All right, so there's a little, any other? And also, and soft serve, is that a new menu? Oh, nice. I like it. I like it. Well, uh, I trust that lasts more than the first week with uh, the cuisine that they offer, but Lots of fun, exciting changes. And one of the big exciting changes we're going to experience together are new people that come our way. One of the great blessings of just having all of you here is just a few short years ago, I basically knew none of you. Uh, many of you don't, didn't know the, the individuals you're even sitting next to. There was a point at one time you walked through those doors for the first time, right? You were the newcomer. And uh, we want to transport yourself back to that time you first came here, how you were ministered to, and think about ministry to the new people God's going to bring our way. And you guys, you guys know the drill when we typically have this time of the year. We start with God honoring hospitality. Oh, we kind of lost our way here. Uh, <laughs> Help us out here, Jake. You got the clicker? I think you did. Thank you. Let's see if we can get this back on. We kind of lost calm here. Sorry about that. Ah, I see the green light again. Let's see if we can get her going. 
And uh, so, yeah, we're going to be looking at God-centered hospitality. Why don't you give me a high sign if you kind of see that come up or not. And, uh, in fact, Jake, maybe you can kind of play with the... I think it's... There we go. Coming back, coming back. I think I might be struggling a little bit back here, the screen, because uh, it's not quite as distinct as it used to be. So... Maybe we'll get Jake up in the ceiling later this week and uh, check it out. So, yes, we're looking at God-honoring hospitality, honoring Christ in your ministry to our guests. So the thing we're going to be looking at today is a simple outline here. hope you can read that. But three, three main points we're going to be looking at in hospitality, how we're going to welcome in new people, the newcomers, the guests, uh, the visitors that come for the first time, here at Boundless and here at Timberlake Baptist Church. So we're going to look at the principle of hospitality. Secondly, we're going to look at the precedent of hospitality. And third, the practice of hospitality. Now, we're going to be going through these points one at a time. If you're taking notes, you'll have plenty of opportunity to get back to those. But let's start first with the principle of hospitality. We're going to look at a a number of New Testament passages. You can turn to the book of Romans if you'd like. Your finger may may be there already, right, Uh, from the early service as Pastor Farrell's marching back through Romans again. And uh, this principle of hospitality, we're going to look at primarily three New Testament passages for starters and kind of set the tone for what is this word? What is this ministry? What what is this kind of uh, ministry we have with those who come here that are strange or new to us. The principle of hospitality, a God-centered understanding of its meaning. And if you look at Romans and look, go to chapter 12, I'll, I'll also show it on the screen behind us here. And you might, it might appear a little better in your written scriptures there than what's behind me on the screen. But Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13, has a great passage here a list of a number of things that Paul lists, not not only as responsibilities for the believer, but really marks of the Christian. Things that characterize the way we live and the way we act and how we treat each other as believers, as ones that are now slaves of righteousness and no longer enslaved to sin and self-serving types of living. And Paul says this, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Our word for the day, hospitality. What is this word hospitality? Well, it means just this. Hospitality is a lover of strangers. Taking two Greek words together for love and stranger, and it is a lover of strangers. Hospitality. It's a love for someone you did not previously know. And so when you think about how a stranger might be loved, In Bible times, it often meant a traveler, someone that's new to an area. 
And a traveler typically has particular needs. You know, David asked this morning, prayer requests for his family, his brother's family coming in town. And they're going to come here with needs, right? And typically, a traveler needs very obvious things, a place to stay, lodging, uh, food of some kind, maybe safety or security, a roof over their head, maybe not knowing the area, certain types of care and protection, right? And perhaps you can think of this generosity to guests uh, in the scriptures and think of some examples. Maybe you remember Lydia. Remember the Lord opening her heart and one of the missionary journeys there, uh, Paul and Silas and Timothy, and the Lord opened her heart to the gospel truth and she was saved. And what did she do? Uh, she, well, she was a dealer in purple. She apparently had a nice place to stay. She must have had beds for everybody. She took everybody in. And Paul and uh, Timothy and Silas came and they had a place of lodging along with their household who also came to know the Lord. 3 John, verses 5 through 8. 3 John 5 through 8 says uh, there that John commends the hospitality of Gaius, who lodged and cared for itinerant preachers that were passing through. Again, he had a God-centered understanding of hospitality, this generosity. He was generous to guests. So think, think with me a little bit. A defining trait of God, God is love, but a defining trait of believers is love, isn't it? We exemplify the character of God when we extend love to others. And why do we do that? Because we ourselves have first been loved by God. So here, this idea of love is kind of boiled down. This, we'll just call it the umbrella virtue of love is boiled down to a specific area here. Strangers, aliens, foreigners, someone new, a visitor, is specifically differentiated from the general practice of love down to new people, newcomers. You can even look at the passage uh, there on the screen. Let love be genuine and look what it says in verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. This is love for the body of Christ, right? We see that all the time when we're together in Boundless and through our church, right? Love for one another, meeting needs, encouraging one another, listening to one another, forgiving one another, praying for each other. We're, we're always loving each other, and that's the mark of a believer. You also see this in verse 13 there in Romans 12. Contribute to the needs of the saints. However, now again, remember, we're differentiating here. Hospitality is loving those you don't know. It's the strangers. It's the new faces from different places we're talking about. So let's make this clear here as we're defining hospitality. It's a love that we aim at a specific target. And the target is the stranger. Okay? Now look here again at the passage. Verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Paul kind of qualifies that, how we're to show hospitality. We're to seek it. We're to go after it. In other words, it's not a passive activity here, is it? We're to press on or pursue con uh, continuously. One uh, writer put it this way, it's to run swiftly in order to catch a person or thing, that word seek. 
to run swiftly in order to catch a person or thing. Uh, every few years, I golf a little bit. Okay, you don't want to be out there on the range, okay, when Rich is there, um, because uh, I tend to slice things left or right. And you know, when things go left and right on a good fairway, where, do they, where does the ball go? It's not on the grass, it's in the woods, right? And that's where I get my most enjoyment, is finding my ball and finding 10 others, right? I usually come back, I always leave with more than I started with. Uh, and it's not because I don't lose my ball, I just find everybody else's that also sliced it. And what am I doing? I'm seeking after it, and I'm doing it continuously when I'm on the golf course, right? It's you seek it and seek it and seek it. That's the idea here. Starting next week, we're going to start seeing many new folks for the first time, many visitors. We'll see that through the year. I'm amazed at the number of new people that walk in our doors. It's exciting, and it's, it's half exciting and half overwhelming all at the same time. And it's great. And in this principle of hospitality, Paul gives us a great tip. We're to run after them in a show of love. Seek them. Again, it's not passive. It's intentional, isn't it? Now, I wouldn't recommend stalking new people, okay? And I, wouldn't, I also wouldn't recommend going and kind of finding them in packs of people, right? Like hoarding them and surrounding them and not letting them out. <laughs> um, you can certainly bring a friend with you, right? But we're talking about, yes, yeah, seeking them, thinking about having visitor radar on, where we're thinking about the new people that God brings into our presence, all right? Also, got another passage, another New Testament passage, not just to seek showing hospitality to others, but we're also, here in Hebrews 13, it gives us a little bit more information here. Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So here in this passage, our second New Testament passage, as we define hospitality, the writer says here, he extends how we're to show hospitality in the negative. Now remember, it's the same word for hospitality here. We're extending love to those you don't know. But it actually states in a negative, do not neglect in showing hospitality to strangers. It's a negative way of really saying the same thing Paul said in Romans 12, 13, where we're to seek to show it. Do not neglect the responsibility. Now, you know, think, think about this a little bit here. Well, let's think of some other ways to say it. Don't neglect. Here's another way you could say this. Don't forget to greet and entertain newcomers. Don't forget it. You know, if you're like me at times, we get over to church, and we're just glad that we, we made it, and we got our Bible, we got our cup of coffee, and I found my seat. <laughs> right? And uh, that's a great accomplishment for many of us uh, at times, right? When we've had a busy week or a long Saturday night, and, and wow, it's so great to be back in church. But you know, if that's the only thing that's kind of like swimming around in our brain, we're going to forget to greet and entertain newcomers. Secondly, resist the temptation to think someone else will be hospitable. Another way we might ignore or neglect the showing of hospitality. You know, there, there's a lot of energy that goes on in this room. I felt it this morning 
not that there's a particular vibe of sorts, but it's just exciting to hear people speaking into people's lives and others listening and, and just the, the blessing of fellowship. And there can kind of, buy, kind of be this mentality of kind of riding that wave, you know? I'm here and I feel it and it's great and it's awesome. And miss the point of the individuals that God has brought. And that can be so easy in a large crowd, can it? A new face, someone that's kind of slipped in the back, you know, someone that's still kind of finding their way. And in the familiarity and energy going on, we're just enjoying things and we're just kind of, well, someone else will get that person. Don't neglect. Take that initiative yourself. And another way of perhaps saying this is don't love your familiar friends to the exclusion of the visitor. One of the blessings of our fellowship and our boundless time together is just being together. Praise God, we have Christian, godly, encouraging friendships with one another. I hope that's one of the reasons you come. But the, the, the point here is don't love them to the extent or spend time with, to the extent that we forget or neglect the visitor, the stranger. These, I believe these are some of the reasons that this writer here would say this. God isn't saying that your orbit of friends in church life is all wrong. What he is saying, though, is we are to invite others into it. That's what it's all about. Invite them into your orbit of friends, the fellowship of the saints. It's not exclusively for ourselves. What we enjoy here is for the benefit of the newcomer as well. Right? That's what we're getting at. Now you see there, it says, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Those who practice hospitality have sometimes entertained an angel. Now we'll talk about this a minute or two here so we don't go too far with this. You're not to be thinking when you're greeting a new visitor, this could be Gabriel in the flesh, right? Or, <laughs> oh, this is, maybe this is Michael. Uh, and uh, this is my grand incentive for greeting visitors because I could be greeting Gabriel today. Um, that's not the intent. This isn't supposed to be like the um, primary incentive and motivation for hospitality. And yet, it says there are times you will do so in extending love and care to the stranger, and you'll be entertaining an angel. And maybe you could think of some times in Scripture, and more than likely, the writer of Hebrews is going back to that himself, to remember some Old Testament times where a, saint's loved on, a saint loved on a stranger, and that stranger ends up being one of God's angels. You might remember Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 18, or Lot in Genesis 19, Gideon in Judges 6, or Manoah in Judges 13. And so consider this. You don't know who you're greeting when you love on the visitor. It may very well be one of God's angels, specifically sent here to enjoy boundless with us. And um, we pray that could be something that could be an encouragement uh, to you to do that and be motivated. Okay, I'm understanding here. Um, need the bulb went out. Okay, all right. Thank you. It, it was kind of hurting there, and it looks like actually it looks like it's off again. We'll see if it comes up. But thank you, thank you for the high sign. And uh, all right, A little te tech support here, real time. All right, I like it. All right, we'll see if it comes up. I'll keep clicking, and um, we'll see what happens. Well, real good. Um, so uh, here, 
Uh, again, angels may be one of the ones we're entertaining as we gather together. And whether that's a, uh, an angel you're entertaining or just regular Joe and Mary that come our way, uh, we have the blessing of loving on strangers when God brings them here. So let's look at another passage, our third one, on a scriptural understanding of God honoring hospitality. So turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, we'll look at verses 7 through 9. Ah, we got it again, brother. Thank you, David. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 9. You want to stay up here with me, David? You're welcome to join me. Uh, <laughs> all right, get your Bible, bro, and come on over. I'll give you this clicker, too. <laughs> He's just like this at McDonald's, too. The guy's just a servant. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 9. We're, we're, we're adding more flesh to the bones of hospitality here and what this is all about. And Peter gives us a little more understanding. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 9 says this, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. And then here in verse 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Another qualification to explain here an attitude we're to have in hospitality without grumbling. Paul addresses our attitude here. Now this word hospitality again, it's a loving of strangers, same thing. Taking love and stranger and putting them together. By the way, that word for stranger, xenia, that may not be the Greek pronunciation, but it's the way we pronounce it in Ohio. There is a Xenia, Ohio. It's right near Cedarville. If you've been to Cedarville before, that's where Core just got dropped off the other week, uh, Core Alley. And um, I remember my daughter, as she went to Cedarville, going to church in Xenia. Now, Xenia is a word for stranger, so it seems like a strange way to call a town. But if you go to their website, they're called the City of Hospitality, right? So that's, that's their claim to fame there. I don't know how friendly they are, but uh, that's Xenia. And we're to be hospitable, loving these strangers, Peter says, without grumbling. Without grumbling. It's a command here to have a particular kind of attitude. In other words, we're not just supposed to run with our feelings toward uh, things that God puts before us. We know that, right? You've been taught that here. We're to judge and evaluate our feelings with the word of God and then proceed in obedience with what God says to do and then let God bless from there. And, you know, whenever I see a command like this, like do something without grumbling, I have to ask myself, why does Paul even say this? Why would he say not to grumble when a newcomer comes or a strange person for the first time? And uh, you should do that in the commands of Scripture when you see them, how we might be tempted to do otherwise or what God's intending to communicate. Why would God command this? Well, loving strangers requires love and attention, doesn't it? To give that towards someone else, my sin nature, and you know yours as well perhaps as I know mine, is all about comforting and loving self, isn't it? 
We have the temptation when we're pushed out of our comfort zone to whine a little, to complain, to grouse about it in some way, no matter what the situation is. And that's a reality that the writer here, Peter, is saying that needs to be addressed. And why would he say this specifically with the visitor? Don't, you know, show hospitality without grumbling. Well, think with me. Strangers are, and visitors are often unexpected, right? Oh, hi. And you meet them for the first time, and it's something you didn't expect in the moment. So there's, there's, there's unexpected situation. Visitors can be very different from you. They can take you out of your routine or perhaps what you were planning to do. Um, and all these things can be very convicting. And how do we, how do we address a bad attitude? How do we, how do we address this, 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 this tendency, this temptation to whine or complain when things don't go as we expect? And I would say three things, pray and the truth and replace. Pray that the Lord would change your heart, right? Psalm 119, wow, what a, filled with prayers of David asking, Lord, change my heart. Pray. Truth. Address your feelings that are not in order with God's word and address it with truth. Remind yourselves of principles. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And we, we address that through the filter of scripture, bad attitudes, right? And then replace it. Confess and repent, turn. So you turn from that, addressing it with scripture, that attitude, and then you replace it with a righteous, good replacement. Thankfulness, gratitude, joy. What's God up to? And you trust and obey, and you're blessed. So hospitality, it is greeting, it is caring for, it is meeting the needs of the visitor, the stranger, the new Comer. That is the principle of hospitality. And now what we're going to do is go into our next point here, and that's going to be the precedent of hospitality. The precedent of hospitality, all right? Is there any precedent in Scripture, even before New Testament times, that the passages we just saw, that give us perhaps a better understanding? Or is it just something new in the new covenant that God gave us? And what we're going to see here is it was something ingrained in God's law for God's people before the Gentiles had an opportunity to know the Lord and serve him in the way we do today. God's people were always to pro uh, provide love and care and protection to foreigners, okay? And in Exodus, God communicated his laws to Moses for God's people, and as you know, they were to reject all idols. They were to worship and fear the Lord God Yahweh alone as the one true God. And in following God's laws, they would stand out as God's people. They would be a light to the nations. This one true God and this chosen nation would display the glory of God as they were peculiar and different in how they ate and how they drank and, and, the, and the various laws in which God commanded them to follow. And you see, one of the distinctions that would separate them to be holy as God is holy is stated here in Exodus twenty-two twenty-one. It says there, you shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Part of the Old Testament law, 
you are not to wrong a sojourner or oppress him. The sojourner. What is the sojourner? Well, this is the stranger. This is the alien. This is a non-Jew, okay, in this context. Someone that could be a temporary or resident alien with the Jews, with the Israelites, with God's people. In here, the sojourner is uh, not to be oppressed. They're not to be mistreated. They're the newcomer, and God has specific instructions here for how he or she is to be treated. I don't think it should be a mystery to you or I, and it certainly wasn't in Bible times like this, that resident aliens or even temporary ones, foreigners, are often the target of mistreatment, discrimination, abuses, oppression. And this is very unlike God. God cares for the vulnerable. God cares for those in need. His heart goes out to them. He's compassionate. He's merciful. He seeks to care. And here he's saying, you are very much not like me when you wrong a sojourner. Cruel and hateful treatment of strangers is very much not like God. And just think with me, foreigners, when they come to a strange place, you know, some of you took mission trips, you go to a new place, and you feel out of place. It's different. You don't fit in. You don't know the customs. You don't know the ways of living. You don't know the traditions. You don't know your way around. It's easily easy to get lost. I remember when I first moved to Lynchburg, I'm like, oh, baby, there ain't a straight road in this town. I mean, <laughs> I'm going straight, and there's a mountain in the way. I'm like, where do I go now? All of a sudden, I was going north, and now I'm going south. And I was, I'm still going in the same direction. Uh, it, you know, we get lost with things, and we're, 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 we feel out of place. Christie's family immigrated to the U.S. when Christie was nine years old from India. And um, mom and dad were very traditional, okay? Uh, the first time I got, came in their home, I found out how strange and different things can be when someone comes from a different place. Mom never drove. She tried it one time. That didn't work. And the mom stopped driving, okay? Uh, colorful clothing. Oh, my goodness. When Christy and I got married, all the Americans were on one side, all suits and ties and dress we expect. And over here was just a rainbow of colors, right? All the Indians were over here. And uh, the saris and the brightness. And it's just like, oh, wow. It's like. And the aisle was separating the two. We all came back together at the reception. Uh, but different. I remember we first got a dog. And dad, my father-in-law, was almost beside himself, right? Dogs are outside. You know, they don't go inside the house. That was just the way it was in India. So he felt very strange to him. Um, you know, Christmas lights? They're like, why? Why Christmas lights? You know, that's as if we're celebrating something far better. And so they, to them, that's just kind of weird. I think I've told you before, a flashlight's a torch to them. They always say, Rich, get the torch. What are you talking about? Right? It's like, <laughs> are we in a cave or something without uh, power here? You know, the food. Woo, that first time I had those spicy foods, boy, smoke was curling out of my ears. 
And I think I've told you before, I had tuna casserole for the, like the next 10 times I was at visiting Christy's home because her mom, so merciful and gracious, knew I was like sweating here, right? And she's like, okay, tuna casserole for you. And I'm like, I really do like the food, mom, please. Let me have it, but nope, I kept getting tuna casserole. Uh, months in the future. I had these little potato chips that were on top. It was pretty good, actually, but... Different foreigners and internationals, aliens are different, and due to these differences, we can oftentimes treat them different or kind of think to ourselves that our way's right and their way's wrong. And we kind of get this higher than mighty kind of thing, you're in my place, and you'll be acting this way because you're in my house, right? And um, we can get this feeling of they're wrong, we're right, and this sense of mistrust kind of takes over. When my family, when my father's family immigrated from Italy to the U.S., they were traveling through Ellis Island, and uh, I think it's off again. You got the clicker there? Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you, brother. All right. The verdict has come down. You're going to just listen to me now. Yeah, when my uh, father's family came from Italy to, through Ellis Island, uh, you know, they, they were met up with some level of mistreatment. I don't know all the details. I don't have diaries to look at. But I don't know if you knew this, but our family name is actually Barancini. It's not Brown. They changed the name to Brown because of trouble getting work, is how I'm hearing from my father. I don't know if I came to work and interviewing for a job, I think I could tell if someone's Italian or not, or the way they speak, or what, you know, the way they dress, everything that kind of gives it away. But that's what they did. They changed the name to Brown. Now, Brown is my favorite color, but uh, Barancini sounds much cooler, doesn't it? I mean, Barancini. Uh, <laughs> wine growers for it still are, centuries in, in Italy. And so here in Exodus, God calls his people to be different, not to mistreat the foreigner or the alien that's so different, that's so out of place, that does things differently. This was the natural inclination and practices of the other cultures around Israel to ostracize the foreigner. And so God specifically outlines in the law for not them not to oppress or wrong the alien. You'll see the same command in uh, Leviticus 19, verses 33 and 34. Leviticus 19, 33 and 34, it says this. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. God's people here, it says, were not expected not only to avoid oppressing and wrongdoing to the stranger, but they are commanded here to extend care and love to the sojourners among them. And the measure of this care was the love that they had for themselves. So here we have a specific and targeted application of the Shema, which means here. Remember Deuteronomy 
6, verses 4 and 5. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And here this application of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might is to not only love Yahweh, your great God, but to extend a special love to others. And here that special love, that specific love, is targeted to the sojourner, to the stranger. I mean, God boils it down simply here. Love God and love others. And the others here are the stranger. Now, important here, look. Uh, Look again, if you're there in the scriptures there, in Leviticus 19 and 34, it said, I'll read it for you. This kind of love for the sojourner is is, uh, stated here in verse 34. The same reason given in our earlier Exodus text, we just didn't look at it specifically. But God reminds the Israelites that they themselves were once strangers, but are no more. Verse 34 in Leviticus 19, the end of it says, For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. Forty-two times in the Old Testament, I am the Lord your God. God first stated this in Exodus, Exodus 20, verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The Lord, Jehovah, the existing one. I am the one true God who saw you as strangers in a foreign land. What's he telling them? You were the foreigner. You were the alien. You were the stranger. Don't forget your past, where you were in Egypt. And when you were that foreigner in that strange land, I kept my covenant with you, and I sought you, and I redeemed you, and I welcomed you, and I took you away, and I saved you to care and protect you. You're no longer captives, but you're free. And I did this for my name's sake, for my glory. So what what does God do here? He calls his people to remember their previous estate when they themselves were aliens and strangers in Egypt. Israel, recall when you were mistreated, abused, forgotten, oppressed. Israel, remember how the Lord your God delivered you. And now go extend a special love for the stranger in your midst. And so Israel, love the stranger by first remembering the extent of my covenant love for you when you were the stranger. God cares for the disadvantaged. And so he called on God's people to reflect this same care with attention to the sojourner. God cares about the helpless and the hopeless. God is compassionate and merciful and kind. The passage in Psalm 145 verses 8 and 9 reads like this. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. God is compassionate. He has pity on others, 
And for us, this starts as an emotion that moves us to act mercifully. So this call to the Israelite to remember his past is also a call to the New Testament believer where the scriptures take us back to recall as well our previous estate. If you want to turn in your scriptures, you can go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Ephesians 2, 11 and 12. But Paul here calls New Testament believers to also remember. And what he is specifically, who he's specifically speaking to are not just the Ephesians, but he's speaking to us. And it's very clear and it's very helpful as we understand the privilege and responsibility and ministry of hospitality in our context. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 says this, Therefore remember, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the, the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember, again it says again, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. Look at that next word, alienated, separated, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You and I are the Gentiles. We're the non-Jews, unless you're a Jew here. Um, we're the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were outside God's covenant. They were outside his promises. You and I as Gentiles were the foreigners. We were the strangers. We were not included in that original covenant. We were excluded. We were separate. We were alienated. We were separated from the Messiah. We were excluded from God's people and covenant. And therefore, as it says in the passage, we were without hope. But the next verse there, if you're there in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, we see the grace and mercy of God was given to us in Christ. When we were separate, when we were alienated by sin, when we were excluded from the promises, a new covenant was given in Jesus Christ. And it says in verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We who were strangers, we who were separate, we who had no hope at one time have been lavished on the love and hospitality and the care of God through Jesus Christ. And now we are included. We do have hope. We do have acceptance and friendship in the body of Christ from the love of God through Jesus Christ. And so when we practice biblical hospitality, we mirror the love of Christ he first had for us. When I was lost, he found me. When I was an enemy, he befriended me. When I was a foreign in the land of sin, and my destiny was marked only by eternal separation in hell, he made me a citizen of heaven. He sought me, he found me, he greeted me, he cared for me, he protected me, he loved me. And where once I only knew how to love myself, he has shown me now how I can love others. I have been set free from that enslavement of sin, praise God. And where once I could not love someone else like I should, I now can. 
I know Christ. I have the Spirit of God. He's given me the model. He's given me the mandate. And now we have the blessed opportunity of extending the overflow of the love that God has extended to us, who were once strangers and alienated, to now extend that to the visitor, to the newcomer, to the alien, to one who is new in our midst. So much more we could say there, but as we want to get to our final point, we're going to jump over there right now and look at some practical application. Point number three, the practice of hospitality. So we've seen already there's, a, there's this, 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 this uh, principle of hospitality, and that means taking care of strangers and, and, and seeking them and not complaining and making a part of what we do in our ministry. We've seen the precedent, right? In the Old Testament, in the New, of God calling out his people where once they were slaves and now been set free, where once they were aliens and separated, now they have the freedom and ability to go extend that same love to others. So let's look at the practice of hospitality. Here's just a few pointers before we get into some practical applications, all right? I'll just call these considerations in the practice of your hospitality. I would say this first of all, be spontaneous. When God brings a visitor our way, it's just not planned. We always have visitors, but who you're going to meet, who you're going to seek out, who you're going to talk to, that, that's not scripted, is it? Let the planning thing go, all right? It's exciting to trust God with the unknown, isn't it? To just say, Lord, I don't know who's going to be coming into my path or who you might, I, I might just, you put on my heart for me to go in their path the, the day ahead, but be spontaneous. I remember my first Sunday at Timberlake myself. Christy and I coming in, didn't know anybody, and uh, we had to go to the, the Boundless group. It was called Boundless then, too. We met down the hall, much smaller group. And, uh, and of course, we met the college pastor then, uh, Nathan Williams and his wife, Bethany. And as we got chit-chat, they said, well, hey, why don't you come on over for lunch? And what a it was spontaneous. I mean, they weren't expecting us, and we weren't expecting necessarily to meet them. But they took us to our home, and they had to cobble things together, and they had a family of their own that was growing. It was a nice roast, by the way. I can still smell it. It's great. And, uh, and we enjoyed fellowship together, got to know them, and we made this our church home. They extended spontaneous. It wasn't scripted. It wasn't expected. And they just made us a part of their afternoon. What were they? They were hospitable. They were friendly, and they cared for the stranger. Second consideration in practicing hospitality is new people don't come by accident. New people don't come by accident. We have to remind ourselves sometimes that the Lord providentially arranges the things, every detail of our lives. And why we would think a visitor that comes our way would be any different is beyond me, but we often do, right? How did you get here? And God arranges divine intersections where you and I will be in the presence of new people. And these aren't accidental visitors that arrive by chance. Now, God uses means. He uses a website. He uses friends uses a road sign to bring attention to TBC. 
But underneath and over it all, in every detail, God is sovereign and directs and controls. So when we see new people come our way, it's not an accident. God brought them here. And whether their stay here will be temporary, and God will teach them something that one Sunday, or if, they, if they're here for the long haul, we want to minister to them in whatever opportunity God brings our way. Third consideration, prepare your mind for the unexpected. Prepare your mind for the unexpected. Uh, it, it can be very routine for us to do things we're used to doing in church, and there should be some routine, a schedule, a place we minister, uh, certain places we sit, and these kind, of, these kind of things that are just expected. But to greet the visitor well, the way we saw it in Scripture, requires some flexibility. Think about that. Lord, give me a flexible heart today for whatever you may bring. And even if something comes expected that you didn't pray for, ask God to give you that kind of heart. And then final consideration here is think, think service, not a show. Think service, not a show. You know, those with means can certainly lavish nice things to richly bless their guests, right? But that's not a prerequisite. There doesn't have to be a roast in the oven back at the dorm, uh, if that were possible. <clears throat> not only an oven not being there, but not being able to afford a roast, right? Uh, but college students or singles with little should not think they cannot practice hospitality, hospitality with little just because they don't have much. Whether you go and with food of some sort, that could be Mr. Goody's while they're open, right? Um, you know, just spending time and going to a restaurant together or just meeting at the cafeteria when you're done here, meeting over on campus or setting an appointment later in the week where you meet together and fellowship together. It doesn't always have to have food, but you can greet and meet the needs of a new person. And we'll go some, some practical ways to do that in a moment without necessarily having a meal prepared for them. But think of service, not a show. It's about serving them, friendliness, helping them feel welcome, helping this not be a place of fear, but of friendliness and comfort. Remember the first time Christy and I visited the church where my mom and dad ended up going after they came to know Christ back in Ohio. And we got to know the pastor there that evening, much like Pastor uh, Williams here when we met Nathan the first time here. And that first time we visited this church in my hometown, where I would grew up unsaved, but uh, I come to find out there's Christian churches around once I became a Christian. And Christian and I went there. I remember the first time uh, we got there, and they, and they invited us over to the house. Hey, come on over after the evening service, and we'll have some time together. And, of course, it's dinner time and all that, but they, they, they didn't have a meal prepared. It was very spontaneous. It wasn't very much not a show. It was service. And I remember, I still remember uh, the pastor's wife looking through the cupboards for some food, right? <laughs> and they found a box of pancake mix. And we made pancakes together. That's what we did. Very spontaneous, very refreshing, and just a show of love. And I still remember it, not because the pancakes were bad or anything. It was just more like, what a show of love, what humility, what... What, what a way to say, well, I don't have anything prepared, so I won't, I won't serve you today. They just went ahead anyway, and we were blessed for it. Let God use what you have and the situation that's before you to um, 
to serve the visitor. Okay, okay, real quick here. We got a few more minutes. Here's some hospitality ideas, all right? I've got a few of them. Hospitality ideas. These are thinking of the visitors that will be coming our way starting mostly next week. First of all, greet with words of friendliness. Greet with words of friendliness. You know, one of the one another commands in the scriptures are to greet one another. And in the regular fellowship, we extend this to not only regular attenders, but to visitors as well. Now, you don't go to someone uh, like, hi, I'm David. I've never seen you before. Are you a stranger? All right? I mean, it's like, okay, there may be a better way you could say that, David. Sorry, you're a target. You're right next to me here. Um, hi, I'm David. Welcome to TBC. Right? I don't believe we've met. And if we have, forgive me for forgetting. That's one of my most common lines, because I forget, right? You guys know that. Ask questions that communicate your care. Where are you from? Are you here at Liberty? What's your major? How'd you learn about Timberlake? For some of you, guys to guys, girls to girls, you can share phone numbers, text each other, maybe text later in the day. You continue to extend that greeting beyond the church time to welcome them. Second hospitality idea, invite them to sit with you during the church service. It used to be in Boundless, we would go to church afterwards. Ah, the visitor's here, come with me to church, it worked out great. It'll be a little different now, right? For those that attend the new service, what is that going to mean? I need visitor radar on the first service. Look for the new visitor there and then bring them with you. So line up in the lobby, join the greeting team, you know, Stand next to some of the ushers. Be milling around and looking around and be ready and willing to greet the new face. You may be just heading out of the service and see someone that looks your age and, and they're not sure, they kind of have that look, they're not sure where to go. Be hospitable, greet them, and then bring them along. Third hospitality idea is un involve others. Involve others. Introduce your strange new friend to some of your current strange friends, okay? All right? Uh, you know, extend the love that you enjoy with them. And for some of you that aren't, maybe you wouldn't call yourself Mr. or Miss Personality, this may be very helpful to go out the deep end, greet them, okay? And, but you can have help by bringing someone that is Miss Bubbly, right? And just enjoy and orchestrate some of that hospitality together. And I know some of our pastors have always appreciated those who bring guests or people they know to us. I know Pastor Farrell does, the other pastors as well, Clay. What a blessing for you to introduce someone to us for the first time. And I would invite you to do the same thing with your friends, and many of you do that already. Continue to do that. Fourth hospitality idea, bring them to boundless. That's the duh idea for the day, right? <laughs> of course, bring them with our fellowship. And we know we just don't meet on Sundays, but two Thursdays from now, there'll be a whole lot of us over there on a Thursday evening at 7 p.m. looking forward to the fellowship there. Invite them to that. If you see them here, bring them there. If you see them there, bring them here. Fifth, hospitality ideas. Sunday lunch. Sunday lunch. You know, several of our leader couples have lunch on a regular basis in their home after 
what would now be boundless, after boundless. And uh, we try to get, you know, different leaders that do that, try to get as many in as we can. Sometimes and typically the more focus is on those from out of town and those that are visiting, just to prioritize those. But we trust you'll have an opportunity to be in those homes yourselves. And of course, you can be a part of that by inviting them as well. Now, this may mean if you're, inside, if you're invited to go to a home on a particular day, you could invite that visitor. But one thing I would tell you is let the host know if there's room, right? It's always helpful, um, not that there's supposed to be flexibility at a host homes either, but if there's 10 more people than expected, there may not be enough roast, if you know what I mean. So kind of think ahead a little bit on that, but if you're already going somewhere, wow, what a wonderful ministry to take them along with you if there's room that particular Sunday. And if you're not going anywhere, to actually do that yourself. Find ways to continue the fellowship with them, whether on campus or at your place. I would also say if some of you live off campus, yeah, a few of you get together. Put, put together some spaghetti and meatballs, right? And, uh, and, and just, just say, hey, by faith, we're going to look for some visitors today. And we're going to have a few of you over to our place. Nothing fancy, but, uh, you know, it'll be a little bit of spaghetti on the side and some of Jake's uh, uh, garlic bread and, uh, you know, a little bit of this and that. And you kind of cobble that together and just, by faith, see who God may bring. My sixth and final hospitality idea, and I'm sure there's many more, but an important one, love on the freshmen, all right? Love on them. Don't forget the freshmen. If there's anything I want you to remember today is you were a freshman once too, right? Ah, especially in my shoes. 61 years old, and you guys just keep getting younger, all right? And the freshmen even look younger. And uh, lots of energy and lots of youth and lots of newness. And we tend to say this, was I once like that, right? Yes, you were once a junior higher. Yes, you were once uh, in high school. Yes, you were once a freshman. And don't forget it. Don't ignore the newbie. There's a lot of unpredictability, a lot of scariness, a lot of anxiety for the freshmen. Be there for them. Remember your time like that yourself and love them as yourself. Love the way you were loved when you first came through these doors. The love you receive, reflect that, show that, remember that, okay? Show them around campus, pray with them, comfort them when they miss home. Think through those things and be a blessing to them. Be hospitable. Hospitality, what a privilege, what an opportunity. Next week, the floodgates are opened. And what an opportunity for us as a group to minister together, to remember how God has blessed us, and then for you to be a blessing to others. Take that to heart, and may God use you. Let's close in prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for greeting us. Lord, we think of the end of the age in the final judgment, and of the many things you can say when the righteous and the wicked are lined up before you. You say to the righteous, you cared for me. You fed me. You visited me when I was in prison and you were hospitable to, hospitable to me and greeted me as a stranger. Lord, reminding us that a mark of the righteous is loving one another and loving the stranger. And when we love the stranger, it is as we were loving Christ himself. Lord, emblazon that in our hearts and minds and we look forward to the ministry 
that we'll have together starting next week in greeting our new visitors. So for that, Lord, use us, bless us, and we give you the thanks in Christ's name. Amen.